Okay, so you're listening to another GD podcast, and I have an awesome, awesome interview for you guys. It's Francis Cologne, who we all know is on the Miles to Matches podcast. And not only do I have Francis, but we have special guest Chad Heckler joined us a little bit into this podcast, and it became its own little three-way conversation of, you know, the Collis match, but also, like, growing and evolving as a shooter and kind of recapping some of the uh, some of the thoughts that um, I've been having as, you know, my first time, my first year shooting in the pro series and and maybe hitting a plateau and them offering them as professional shooters. Giving some advice to a new up and coming air quotes shooter. So I really had a fun time with these guys. Big shout out to to Francis and Chad for, you know, giving me the time sitting down for almost an hour and talking with me and just kind of shooting the shit and having a good time. And then, you know, kind of di- diving into a into a deep talk topic and, and giving me some insights on on how to fix the issues that I'm having. So stay tuned, folks. It's going to be a good one. Um, and we'll see you on the range next time. All right. Later. I mean, just get another one. It's right? kind of yeah. I like these headsets. These are super nice. They're really noise canceling. I can't hear everybody else. Super nice. Good, Chad. Yes, I think we're going to try to find some for the road. See if they work on the road. Because if they do, I've recorded. I think it'll be. I've recorded probably three or four podcasts with these in the car, and I don't hear the roid noise or anything else like that. They're pretty hmm. nice. All righty. I like it. So we are here with Mr. Francis Cologne, the other half of Miles to Matches, MDT shooter, Area 419, RCBS, American flag, applied ballistics, <laughs> five by five, Leupold, Vitavori, Impact, Burger. Armageddon, Burger, Trigger Tech. Yeah. I don't know what that one is up there. Oh, I don't know either. I think it's just an MDT. It's something they put on there. It's a dude on a tank trap. Dude on a tank trap. Yep. Fair enough. M2. So how'd your weekend go? It was good. You know, this match is defined by the person who makes no mental mistakes. That's the first mm-hmm. prerequisite to having a chance at winning this match. Okay. Um, the second prerequisite is that your rifle shoots far better than you, and you shoot as good as you are humanly capable of. Okay. And if that's not in the same realm as the guy who has the best weekend of his life, you aren't going to win this match. Right. So. And I, I did end up talking to the match winner, and – that's kind of what he said is he came here with an unspoken goal and he ended up meeting that goal. He was the yeah. 22 gap grind winner. Yep. So he wanted to, he wanted to w- get his name up on the board as the Collis winner. Yep. And now he's done that. So good on him. Um, I've shot with him I, or I've ROed with him a handful of times. I think this is the first match I've actually shot with him, but he did really, really good. Mm-hmm. Really, really good. So, stage you want to get back? Oh, there's a couple. Uh, there's actually two specific ones. Both of them were preceded by, let's call them RO slash squad duties. Okay. That I just ran long on spotting and paying attention to what everyone else was doing. And then, oh, it's my time to shoot, or I'm shooting first on the next stage. Mm-hmm. Uh, which just took me out of my pre-shot routine. Normally, right. you know, about 
five to ten shooters. You know, as we start a stage, all of my gear and all of my dope equipment is prepped. I have an idea of what I want to do to prep the stage. It's all done. That didn't get done after shooting the last stage prior to the next. So then I realized, oh, no, I've got it. So anyway, I'll, I'll do that before the stage starts. And then before my time to shoot, I'll take another 30 seconds to a minute to rehearse what I've already done. Okay. Uh, in both of these instances, that didn't occur. So the double check process that happens, mm -hmm. I only got a single check. And okay. in both cases, it led to one in one case, three points, and in another case, two points. Uh, this matched the difference between me being fourth, uh, tying, and then winning on the skill stage, fourth versus finishing ninth, was those two shots where I simply didn't dial on the very last stage of the day. I had three dialed in because I was marking a turret just a little off to make it easier. And it ended up off to the right. So I ended up now, you know, two tenths high, which on a KYL rack off of a car hood, you know, that's not acceptable. You can't be off two tenths. I think I might yeah. have noticed trending a little bit high on a tenth, but, you know, I didn't see it on the big plate. Long story short, again, this match is won by those who make zero mistakes. Right. And I've listened so. to you guys, I've listened to all you guys' podcasts, but I've listened to you guys say, like, like missing one point moves you. 10 places yes. at K&M. Yep. Um, this is the first time I've shot K&M, and it was, it was quite difficult. It was probably the hardest match I've ever shot. I mean, for good reason. It's, it's the, the Augusta of, yeah. of sh the shooting sports in a comparison to golf. Um, so that's the one you wanted to get back is the ones that the last you, didn't two, have a double, the, you didn't have yeah. a double check of your, of your shot, your, your pre-game or your pre-stage checklist and things like that what's yeah. the stage that you really enjoyed that you were like yeah and most people equate that to one that they clean but i mean you can always go with the one that you had you the know, most fun on uh, though there's a couple that come to to mind but the one that i think makes really comes to mind the most um well the one that i would say is the most important long range stage number one we shot that second to last at the end of day oh, one wow tons of mirage so we've shot here a lot, and we recognize that, you know, six, seven, and 800, 900 yards at K&M are arguably on the first range the most difficult shots to hit in the afternoon when you're shooting at the 1MOA array. They're nigh on impossible. I mean, right. they're very, very difficult to hit, and it's because the Mirage alone will double the size of the target in its wiggle, so you don't know where you're aiming exactly. Um, the effects of how Mirage interacts with what you see and where you're aiming is another uncertainty that it's not fleshed out by science yet. But we happened to have the opportunity to shoot on the train-up day in the morning, walk out dope, everything was good, and we knew what our speed was. And we did that again right at the afternoon about 1 o'clock okay. so we could see what happens in that high mirage peak heat moment. And we found it was about 1 tenth at 7 and 2 tenths at 8 that we were hitting low, even though our speeds lined up. Right. So that suggests that there's something else happening when everything else with your gun at 100 and even at 500 is all acting normal. To suddenly be low and then be normal again at 9, there's something else happening. Right. So I took that into stage one at the end of the day, knowing that we would have potentially that same condition. So I trusted that my dope was on at 706, hit both first out, hit seven, uh, very first shot on seven. I see it go low, very low. I'm like, okay, that's just like what happened before. Top of plate, bang, impact. It's eight, sent one, I went to top of plate, it wasn't enough. Went two tenths from center, impact, then walked it back and cleaned the rest. You know, that's, those are the hardest shots to see in this entire match. Right. Uh, I would argue there's nothing harder other than the ones that are blind, where you right. have nothing behind them. 
Uh, so that was the one I was really like the proud pur- of. Like the prairie dogs. The the, pur- the prairie dogs were kind of skyline. The bowling pins, you had the dirt, but there was probably 30, 40 yards behind it. See, prairie dogs and bowling pins, to me, both of those were, they had enough dirt behind them mm-hmm. that you were good enough to see. I can read where they're starting, where the tr- where the dirt's starting from. Right. The squares off the bunker, the first three squares yep. off the bunker, well, first four are actually completely skyline with 100 yards or more behind the target right. to anything of, of consequence. Same thing on target is a 19, stage 19. Mm-hmm. We had squares in that array. That array wasn't as bad because that one was down into the new lane off to the right. Right. And it was a big small, but there was still a healthy amount of distance. So when you missed the skinny one, you really second-guessed what was causing that miss. But that said, you know, I, this match to me, it's the most fun that I have each year because not only the venue – but the people that we, it's one of the largest matches in the country. I think it's consistently the yeah. second largest match in the country. Most, by, sh- by most shooters that I've seen in a long time. Oh, yeah. And on Besides, top like, that, maybe nationals? Exactly. The finale's bigger, but right. in a non-finale setting, this is the largest match yet. Yeah. Um, but the thing that seems to make this match different for me is between the setting, the people we get to meet, and then the thoughtfulness that goes into this specific course of fire. Right. You know, when you look around at the different targets that are set up, the difference between a six-inch circle and a six-inch square is is planned. It's not just a whim. Oh yeah, let's put a target out. That is it. Hey, let's look at the wind. Let's look at the weather. What direction are we shooting? What did they just shoot prior? What are they going to shoot next? Yeah, let's make that a six-inch circle, not a square. Yeah. Oh, that next one's going to be an eight-inch square, not a circle, because it's 50 yards further. But we need one that's a little bit easier to help them get a read if they're off. That's the kind of thoughtfulness that I know Shannon is putting into, and his team is doing a great job to make sure that you have the most opportunity to gain the points you need in order to get a read and still have to work your tail off to get a nearly clean score. Right. Hold on. We have a guest speaker today. He just came in. Why isn't um, this? Will it not oh, you want to share my you? mic? Stand by one second. Pause. Okay, now we go. Can you hear me? Yes. Oh, yeah, I can hear you. Are you recording? Yes. He is. Okay, I, I just wanted to say that it's also... Um, oh, this person needs introductions. This is... No, no, no. Uh, he was, he was, on, he was on probably 15, 20 minutes ago. Oh, I know. I was on second. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> no, what I want to say is it's, it's, it's 2.30 in the afternoon, and we're done shooting. The banquet is over with, and everything is pretty much cleaned up. So that is another layer of professionalism of this match. You know, like not only it's is the targets, their target, their target tree, the course fire, everything is perfect, but... The execution of the match itself is like is second to none. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's it's a masterclass in how to run the most efficient match with the most number of shooters that I have ever seen across anywhere in the country. Um, MKM does a pretty good job of that, but it's not. I mean, obviously they're still new; they don't have near the same type of facility that they have here because right. they don't have the years of training, but. Um, Matt Steiner and Ken Zanoski also do a fantastic job as MDs. But again, I mean, this kind of is something that we've talked about on our podcast. The best MDs that I've seen have shot a lot of matches and continue to shoot matches. And that shows, I think, Shannon being so tightly knit into the community of PRS, Mm -hmm. analyzing the scores that he gets, and being a shooter. um, His matches are incredible. So you say the, be- the, the some of the best are or best MDs are those that have shot a bunch of matches and continue, continue to shoot. to do so. Yeah. So when are you guys hosting your first miles to matches <laughs> match? Oh boy, Francis runs twenty two series, or he's kind of been weaning himself off of it, but he's run 
four years in the running now? Yeah. Four years in a row? Okay. So. Yeah. It's a different experience. I mean, running matches is not as easy. It can seem easy outwardly looking in. You're like, I just need a piece of paper, 10 stages, and a couple, you know, 50, 80 targets. It's not that simple. I mean, between the food, the logistics, when people sign up, and if, if imagine you have 100 people. Of those 100, 20 of them will have a unique problem or a question that is not normal. Not just the, yep. hey, where do I have to be? What do I have to be? But something uniquely them. Hey, MD, can I go over here and can I meet you to do this? Or can I have this question? Can you and multiply that by, say, two or three days and by two to three times at a national match? I mean, I can't imagine. Plus, you, you have ROs between the number of questions you get from shooters uh, and special requests. The number of ROs, the meals, the lodging, the 30, directions. 31 ROs at this match. It, and they were all professional. And they were amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, that that's a that's a high testament to the amount of planning because it, it could easily take that same scenario. You could gather all those resources, but actually getting them to do what you need in order to execute on the plan that you have envisioned is mm-hmm. a very different task if you right. haven't done your homework. Um, and I think anybody who's you know, worked in, in operations or, you know, as a manager at like a, let's say, at a factory. There's right. a lot of pe- moving pieces and people have different roles to play. Uh, Shannon, having been in the military, I mean, he's obviously spent a lot of time working with, hey, you go do your part. I need someone to lead that, but go do your thing. Right. It shows very much so in how the facility is run and how well it's kept. So. Absolutely. What, um, now you guys both placed very well, both top ten. Sixth and ninth, I believe, respectively. Sounds right. Chad taking six, you taking ninth. If I'm if I'm not mistaken, um, feel free to fact check me. Um, what are things that you noticed or learned in this match that you're going to go take back and and work on for the next match that you? you oh, shoot? yeah. For me, this is like the biggest, sourest, huge chunk of lemon swallow I will ever have. This is the bitterest pill I've ever had to swallow. Um, coming into this match, you know, my goal is to put, be the only person with two names up on that board in consecutive years, and I'm up there for a couple of other matches as well. Um, and there was not really an opportunity to win the match. There was a very real opportunity to stay three, four, five. Okay. Um, the last stage I dropped two due to that, like we talked about, mm-hmm. not having a routine. So um, a checklist that I have a mental checklist that I go through, but, you know, I assume that I have gone through it enough that I remember what to do. I did all of that except the last glance at the turret to make sure it was on the right. Because I had done it 20 times already. I mean, actually 40 times. Well, 39 up to this point. Mm -hmm. 39 times checking my turrets. And so I'll come back from this one creating a new checklist that's infallible that will replace not only my, say, rifle cover, something on my rifle cover, Mm -hmm. something on my... Um, chamber flag, so that uh, I can't interact with my rifle without back without that being it. that being the major thing that happens. Yeah, however, however that occurs, I'm going to think through this more. But there, there is no reason that at the level that we shoot, the reason that you get ninth versus fourth is simply you're off two clicks on a turret that you fully had prepped, ready to go at some given number, and you just didn't put it there. Right. That should never happen at the level that we shoot. That happened. That happened to me. I like. I was supposed to be at two seven, and I was like, I rolled it to two five, and then I was like, okay, make sure it's two clicks, and I just didn't go didn't, one two. Exactly. And I missed the first target. And I was like, oh, and I like, I was like, that's why am I low? And I looked up and I was like, I'm supposed to be at two seven. And it's two five. Click click. And then I followed up and I got an impact. And I was like, okay, that was a mental error. 
and then stage 20, which was out of the Connex, um, at the plate rack, and then the one, two, three, four, five, Ipsix yeah. progression out. Um, and this is the second time I've done this, and I don't know why I've 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 done this, but I didn't put all the targets into my Kestrel because I used target card in my Kestrel. Mm-hmm. So I had the plate rack, and then I had four of the targets and not five, five. of it. So I should have had six distances instead yeah. of five. And it just, like, I looked at it, and I noticed it, and I was like, crap, I'm still on the clock. I have to fix this. So I went to the fourth target, which was 3-8, but I was on the third engagement. So I was like, split the difference between this target and the previous target, aim it, and I was just off right edge. And I was like, okay, at least I was able to identify the problem and try and fix the problem. But then I was lined up on 3-8 for target four. And I was like, okay, continue going. And it just... This is a really, really tough match, and I don't know if it was – I don't think it was, like, lack of preparedness because, like, you're always going to be semi-prepared. It's Yes, there's a lot of things that go into it, but at the end of the day, it's still shooting. Like, as long as you got pretty solid fundamentals, like, you should be able to perform. I don't know if it was the stress or whatever, but I did not perform very well at all this weekend. But this is is a unique match. I mean, a lot of people are going to walk away from this and feel like they had – either relatively good or relatively poor performances, right? That happens at every match. However, in this case, this match has got, on average, very small targets. Oh, I mean, yeah, in for the sure. In 1.1 to 1.4 MOA, or that's that's very small relative to what most people are used to shooting. Right. So what that means is while the large target may be closer to 2 MOA, <laughs> I know for some people hearing this large 2 MOA, no yeah. way, the small slash other target is approaching 1 or in some cases less than 1 MOA. Right. Uh, the distance is exceeding four, five, six, seven, eight, nine hundred yards. So those targets, a miss is a miss, and mm-hmm. it's a hit. So it's far easier to hit a two MOA plate. You know, there's fifty percent more surface area on a, well, on the two versus say a one MOA. Mm-hmm. But you start going to some of these tall, skinny targets like a bowling pin, where you not only have to know your zero perfectly, read the environmentals. If you hit the last one, say you hit the left edge of a bowling pin, did you notice that it shoved the target hard right? If so, how hard? Because the difference between any wiggle and like a hard shove on a say a bowling pin where it has no real surface area could literally mean half the width of a bullet or say your centered aim point to just barely shift your group center to stay have a better chance at hitting the next round. Right. Um, what happens if your gun is shooting say three quarter m away and the plate is three quarter m away? Now any yeah. amount you're off with wind you you have less than you have a less than one hundred percent chance of hitting that plate. Yeah, it's so. Definitely, definitely some things that I'm going to, I'm going to take back and, and work on. I think my movement between positions was a little slow. And I think that's just like, I think I'm going to take a a note from Tyler Hughes and do like a pre-stretch routine, like every day, like, Hey, if I get up 20 minutes early every day, that's 20 extra minutes I can get of stretching and over yeah. time that'll, that'll benefit me more. Cause some of these positions were extremely low, like um, the rock the stage rocks. down on the low, like yep. that was a very, very like low kneeling crouched over position. Like I don't shoot a whole lot of that. Yeah. So a big like, small pair that was the small was one MOA. Yep. And it was, it was tough. It was really, <laughs> it was really tough. So like 
little things like that, like making sure that like I do have that pre-shot checklist, like double check, like, cause I, all I had to do was update my Kestrel to the next stage and then sync to my HUD and then everything was good, but it sunk to my hub, but I didn't have all the targets. in. Yeah. Like that's a, that's a mental error putting things in. That's a simple getting distracted and not, you know, not following through with double checking everything. It, it happens and it, it, it cost me a point, at least one point. Yeah. Um, yeah, so what – so you wanted your name to be up there consecutive times. So what, – one, one of the guys here actually made a really good point. He's like, oh, that's no big deal. Now you just got to start over. <laughs> I mean, that's exa- <laughs> I mean, exactly right. Um, so what is your next match? Uh, Punisher. Punisher? Actually, the next next match is not a PRS match. I'm shooting the Night Force – ELR challenge. Okay. So that'll be just for work. So that'll be a that'll be unique. You shoot a 300 norma out to an average distance of 1200. Long long engagements 2200. Shorts like seven six. That's gonna be sick. Yeah. So pushing like and I'm using a light load, but it's you know burger two fifteen hybrids out of a 300 norma at like three thousand. And it's considered light. For yeah, that. I got. I mean, thirty one hundred is pretty normal for those rounds. And what's the gu- what's the gun weigh? Uh, it's a Barrett MRAD, and it's sixteen. Okay. It's about eighteen, nineteen pounds. Okay, fully kitted. So it sounds heavy, but it's five it's, to six times the muzzle pressure of a Dasher. So yeah, it's about eighty. I think it's seventy or eighty pound feet of pressure um, recoil on exit, as opposed to like nine with ten with our Dashers. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, that'll be. I mean that's going to be a good match no matter what. Like it's yeah. just it just sounds fun. Um, and Pun- you said Punisher is your next next PRS match. Next PRS Punisher. match. Mm-hmm. Um, are you guys going to be at Twisted Barrel, Magnolia Meltdown, or Applied Ballistics or not Applied Ballistics? Uh, Alabama Precision. Same mm, initials. Right now, no, no, and no. Uh, but that's a good. I forgot about that. It is the same initials. Those um, are a long way down there. They are a long yeah. way down there. Other than Alabama Precision versus AP versus AB. But um, I'm not planning on shooting those. I don't know Chad's not, but I may have to shift my schedule around and get to one more. We'll okay. see. So, I mean, this year has been really good in one sense. I know one match I was really sick, so and I still finished moderately well. But it seems this year is the, the season of skull draggings. I mean, quite literally, mm-hmm. the winner of most of the matches that I have shot has been at least four to six ahead of second place in every single match just for whatever reason and this one came down to the tiebreaker did it not yeah but the winners were eight points ahead of second or six points ahead of second i watched versus i watched shoot all weekend and he was in my squad and it was it was like a master class like i tried to watch him as much as i could he's very smooth very consistent i mean kale was right there with him like Mm -hmm. i think kale lost on the truing bars because he, he lost six, he dropped six on that stage, and he finished at 180. So he would have yeah. still dropped to Tallgate by two points. Yeah, well, he ran the skill stage faster than me. He did. <laughs> <laughs> and I had all of you guys had I just dialed my yeah. turret two tenths. That was the difference. I love I mean, this game. To put it back in point. I mean, t- Kale and I tie if I just dial my turret. Yeah. And that means there's a four five way tie for fourth through eighth, mm-hmm. and. That's how tight this match is every year, though. It is. Yeah, it's 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 a and it's not like you can make it. I mean, you could make it harder than it already is by putting everything in an MOA target, but then the people 
Everybody else that, has no chance. No chance and at I, all. I don't mean that in a negative way. I just mean it takes oh, no, so much like, skill and so much preparation to know that you are capable of hitting what MOA targets. Right. It's orders of magnitude more difficult than hitting a 1.2 average, which right. is harder yet than a 1.4. Dude, it literally. I woke up at 3 a.m. the last three mornings. Yep. <laughs> I went to bed just thinking about, like, literally three quarter MOA, like, what do I practice on? And I was envisioning this 400 yard, three inch circle and just smoking the center out of it from the weirdest positions that I have at home just to get that confidence overnight. Right. And that's what this match is. And it can't be that hard for everyone, so we have other targets. So the right. match is really, you know, amongst the top 10 shooters, the match is really about 50 shots. Mm -hmm. The others, you just can't miss. And if you make a mistake there, that is a complete toss away. You've got to now not miss on anything that's one MOA. Yeah. And that's where we know, like the chewing bars. They're a vertical on a. They're a very skinny vertical target. Mm -hmm. Four by a, six, four by six, yeah. and six by ten, or four, four by ten and six by ten. Yeah, off of pipes, so off of a positional shot. Yep. Uh, starting at five hundred and fifty yards, out to seven hundred something yards. So you have no margin for error in terms of vertical. They're just over one MOA. Your gun generally shoots. You know, people think about waterline. Is it a gun being? Oh, my gun shoots two inch vertical at blankety blank distance, say six hundred, seven hundred yards. Well, that's not true if you shoot enough rounds. Right. But it also, you one-tenth at those distances is half your group is off the top, half your group is off the bottom if you're off on your dope at all. Right. Meaning you don't know the real center of your group. And that's what happens. It, you can't tell because the bullets are falling hundreds of yards behind it. So you have no visual. You have high mirage, high uncertainty in terms of your real elevation. Well, the uh, temperature it, started at 50, 50 degrees and went up to 85. 85. And the mirage went from 0 to 11 billion. Zero to <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Very yeah. accurate. So the, these are all things that yeah. will affect your point of aim versus your point of impact. And if you're not tracking that throughout the day and not actually watching where your bullet yeah. lands and doing something about it, then you're going to miss. So how are, you, how are you tracking your, your point of aim, point of impact throughout the day? Every stage. Every stage. Yeah, you got to watch it every stage. Like – I'm dialing, you know, I'm dialing for that 550 target, and I, I know I break in the center of the target, and it trends a little bit low or it trends well, a little bit high. Or it depends on the types of targets, but yeah, you're watching. Like I know Chad and I are literally watching every shot on every stage. Are we high, low, left, right? Okay, the first thing we're looking for is a left to right miss. The next order of magnitude is where are we vertically? Okay. Every single time, it's not a oh I missed left, oh I missed right. That's not enough. You have to know I missed left some amount and above or below waterline by blank amount and measure it if you don't know that and you're not adding that little second column up in your head as you're shooting mm -hmm. the stage i was a half a tenth high half a tenth high tenth high tenth high okay so nothing has been below center in four consecutive shots i might be smart to favor down on this next target let's go at least a half a tenth okay half a tenth down i'm a tenth high cool this is this is definitely a trend we're going to pull a tenth out of the next target before you even shoot it because you have right. enough shots to know that it's unlikely to be all the targets are off, say, four, five, six, eight, ten yards. It's more likely that your gun is sped up and you don't you don't know it or your zero is shifting because your barrel is warm and you don't know it. Right. Or yeah, I mean, people, some other version. People get into the trap of trying to execute that plan when they're not sending 100% shots. So you have to do that out. first. Yeah, send 100% shots. Yeah. yeah. I, I I think Tate Streeter said that. I'm not trying to steal that phrase, but however you want to call it, like your shot needs to be perfection in order for you to measure your elevation discrepancy or windage issues. Like you can't learn the wind without sending 100% shots. Yeah, and that's that is the precursor that a lot of guys I've noticed have tried to jump the shit, jump the shark, so to speak. Hey, let me work on measuring, mismeasure, mismeasure. When they're 
true wobble zone if I said, hey, I just put up one MOA sticker out down range and said, hit that sticker from 10 different positions, they might hit one or two out of 10 because the positions are so wild that they're not used to it. They might not hit the sticker, but one or two shots out of 10 because they don't know where their point of aim to real point of impact. Their groups would be half half inch, right? Mm-hmm. But from any given one shot that we choose, their point of aim, point of impact may be as much as half or more MOA away from their point of aim. That's a problem because now you're translating that into whatever correction you're making. Say the next position, you build a perfect position, but you thought you were left. That was because of your prior bad position or bad shot. You've taken a, this two-tenth correction and added it to your next one, but that was the correction is your body going two tenths the other way now you're right. off the other side yeah i know this happens it's happened to me i mean we all have it happen it's just we train like crazy to make this super minimal and there's times down here where i recall i can recall six stages where i was super prep super happy that despite having all of the reasons to rush and to try to get through it fast not time out i took what felt like an eternity to inhale exhale reload the bag and send a perfect shot. I think that's something through. that I need to work on because, like, I was, I've been finishing stages in time, but like, go fast to miss. Yeah. Like, for example, the 300 yard mover. That was our f- first stage this morning. And I, I scored a six, but I probably could have gotten eight if I would have slowed down a little bit. Like, I think you could have gotten a 10 by slowing down a little I mean, bit because, yeah, but, it's pretty. It's a pretty easy stage that way. Yeah, and, and like, those four shots could have moved me up, could have moved oh, me yeah. up. Oh, yeah, and could it stacked that over the entirety of the match. Right. And that's where, you know, when we get – it's there. <laughs> what was, how does that saying go? There was this, uh, there's this saying I've seen that's something along the lines of this kid, these two kids take a test – and one guy's like, one of the buddies is like, yeah, I got 90% on the test, and then or 90 out of 100. And the other kid's like, that's cool. I got a like 99 or something like that. Or maybe it's they both get 99s or 100s. And one of them says, yeah, that's pretty cool. I aced it. The other one's, well, the difference is you got 99 or 100 because you did really well. I got 100 because that's all that were possible. Right. And like that is exactly the mindset that the shooters at the very top are bringing to these matches. It's not, I mean, we may drop one or two, but there are more targets that we will never make mistakes on than there are targets we will make mistakes on. And unfortunately it comes down to those. Like we Mm -hmm. know which, I can tell which targets people are going to potentially mess up on average and have a chance. Like the M3 target is one. I would expect the average top level shooter dropped a half a point on that stage. I didn't measure that target. Do you know how big it was? Tiny. Uh, six it inches, six at five something, yeah. or four sixty. It was only one minute. It was a five or a six incher. Yeah, so it was a one MOA reset on a, after a big pan on a wobbly, relatively speaking, wobbly solid. That was it. the that was the one out of the trailer where you took one shot at a Ipsic at six hundred, and then yep. you moved over to the yeah. M three target five inch square at four eighty something. Yeah, it was. It didn't feel like a reset. So you got target. your matchbook. I always have Send my it. matchbook on me. It should be the last <laughs> thing you wrote down. It was close. Um, But, like, that's a good example because that target takes extreme precision. But if it's a Mm -hmm. circle, like, we shot those at the AG Cup as circles. Mm -hmm. And that's a very different stage. By just making that a circle, 100% different stage. Because you're you're cutting a a large portion of the target out by turning it to a Correct. circle from an ipsic. Yeah, you just gave somebody their one-tenth of wobble zone from the mm-hmm. middle, the total, you know, total wobble zone one-tenth. You gave them that and said, 
yeah, you can use all of that one-tenth to the more of that tenth you use, the more likely you are to miss. Right. Low right, low left, high left, high right. It's That's why I say the level of detail in what's put out is second to none, and that carries over in spades when you're trying to train to become the best shooter you can be by looking at all of the different variables about what makes that target hittable and this target less hittable. That shows you where you should practice. It tells you how to where you're going to make mistakes, examining what conditions you make. I know that my weakness, if you will, is getting distracted while either assisting a squad or getting out of sequence on my own pre-shot routines. Mm -hmm. So that's a weakness that I've solved at the AG Cup by just popping in music, and I have no responsibilities. So it's right. up to, it's totally on me. That's the only thing I can focus on. Here, that's not the same. It's not the same thing. No, because we're using RO's option, option two, two yep. which is means the shooters are spotting calling impacts and the RO has the responsibilities of the safety, the timer and inputting scores, which is mm -hmm. not the same as like an AG cup where it's like the shooter just gets called to the line. He shoots the stage and he walks off the line and the ROs have everything. Yeah. It's a very different dynamic, but it's, you know, this gives you a lot of good learning points as to how to find your mistake. What time was it throughout the day? Hey, I lost a lot of points in the late afternoon. Okay, what happened? Well, I hadn't had lunch yet, or I didn't need mm -hmm. a lunch. I needed water. All of the above. So I think it's a good match to test where you need to have improvement, not just from shooting skill, from match prep, self-prep, all of the above. There's like a six-year-old driving around the Kubota. That's pretty awesome. Oh, yeah, they're having a good time. He was, dri he was, he was hauling shooters <laughs> earlier today. That's awesome. Love it. Cool. Well, so. Else? So I know you guys are going to cover this on your guys' podcast, and I'm assuming when you guys drive back at the end of your guys' business trip down here, you guys will cover this in your podcast. But for those that didn't hear. <laughs> I don't know if he heard. So uh, Chad put out on one of your guys' last podcast, two, three podcasts ago, the miles to matches at gmail.com. Miles T.O. matches. Yep. Miles T.O. matches at gmail.com. Uh, PayPal, that if you have a question, go ahead and send a dollar in and you'll answer the question. But we're going to get it answered. We're going to answer it anyway if you yeah. want to just send yeah. over a buck or whatever. But anyway, somebody sent over a buck. S somebody, me, sent over a buck. Friends and family, I might add. Yeah, <laughs> without um, the fees taken out. <laughs> so that was hilarious. What, what um, for the shooter that's reached a mile, like, has hit a milestone or a roadblock or can't seem to progress past a certain certain level, what would you recommend that they take a look at, focus on, uh, train or whatnot? So in, I was using myself as the example. I've been shooting in a general one-day match, you know, uh, high 60s to mid 70s, and then in the handful of two-day matches that I've shot this year, um, 61 day, 65 two on day two. Like um, yesterday, I shot a 60. Today, I shot like a 49. So like I almost find myself going backwards. Yeah. I don't necessarily want to count this match, given the the difficulty and the the. The, diffi the difficulty slash the, the environment of the match, like having 240, like, super solid shooters, what would you guys say 
somebody that is in my situation where they've almost hit like they've plateaued basically how to like move past that and and get to you know instead of 60s and 70s to like 70s to 80s um you're gonna get two two answers here yeah. So go ahead. The first, start. the first answer I would say is just go check out the Miles to Matches episode that we haven't actually <laughs> published yet, but we'll we'll find time to make that one happen. And, uh, insert number beep here. And uh, no, but I would say personally, uh, we do already have an episode that I think covers this to a good extent. Uh, it's EWSP. Is it fifty? Fifty? It's in the fifties. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's at low fifties somewhere okay. there. Well, I'm um, going to go read gonna, that. Chad's going to look, look at it, it and. But EWSP, at least for me, you know, I, I think there's a, a couple of answers to what you're asking. But in general, if you're if you 55. can't tell us why, or you can't tell yourself, where did I actually miss? And not just by like, oh, I had 40 misses total for the weekend. But well, what were those 40? What were they? What did they fall into? Elevation, windage, stability, or planning? Mm-hmm. And from those like subcategories within each of those things. So was it planning? Okay, was that like your dope was wrong, your gear was wrong, you didn't bring the right equipment, or was it that you just didn't follow a process that you already had in place? Right. My performance errors happened in the P phase. That happens before the clock stops or before the clock starts. I'm not shooting. I'm just doing things outside of the clock. From the call it E W and S, I would not take back a single shot other than one that I pulled the trigger early on a mover. The rest of them were all happened because of planning or something that I can't account for yet, which is wind or other. That's going to happen. But I can tell you where they were. If you as a plateaued shooter can't say, I missed 32 shots due to elevation, I missed 25 shots due to stability, and 10 due to planning, when you really dig back, then I think that's the reason okay. you ha- you're plateaued. Because okay. you don't know where your shots errors are coming from. You've already crossed the low-hanging fruit, okay. which is picking a good caliber, good gun, and good bag. And what's your answer? Um, okay, so a lot comes to mind. Um, my first question, my first answer is a question like, what have you done since the last match? Uh, dry fired, like prep brass, loaded brass, um, like made sure I cleaned the rifle properly and like fouled in the rifle. And then between day and one day, and day one and day two, I made sure that the chamber was. Super clean and everything was was right back where it was. All right. Well, it sounds like you're doing something which I think half the battle is for a lot of people is just doing something between the last match and the next match. And I feel like uh, Francis hit the nail on the head. You need to break down your misses into categories. Whether you use the four that we broke it down into, you need to break it down into categories. And I'm gonna I'm gonna attack the one first that cost me no money. Um, so divide it into the, the stuff that you can work on without spending any money, and then eventually you'll get to the stuff that, you know, do you need to upgrade or is your barrel wore out or do you need to try a different bullet or whatever. Like use the stuff that uh, attack the problems that cost you money last and, and do all the other stuff first. And I, I feel like, um, and this is no, no offense or judgment, but um, a little bit of hard work goes a long way, and understanding um, that, you need to you need to be accountable for every round. I mean, I I, I shot a lot of hundred yard paper drills, dot drills. I'm mm-hmm. sure you're familiar with doing all that type of stuff. And I'm not saying this about you, but I think a lot of people in the mid pack like they can they have a rifle that shoots like a bat out of hell. And but if you tell them to do a t- twenty dot dot drill from uh, ten different positions, they wouldn't be able to keep it in a three quarter inch dot on all twenty of those dots. So I think that a lot of people could 
benefit a lot from 100-yard dot drills. Right. I think, because paper yeah. doesn't lie. And I've, like, spe- speaking specifically about me, like, I've gone out, and, like, when I go to the range, I'll – it's usually if I'm, like, loading ammo, I want to make sure that the rifle is, is where it's supposed to be, so I'll shoot, like, three to five on um, for speed. I'll shoot two, three-shot, zero groups, and then um, I'll either run the craft or if I'm, like, verifying – like verifying dope at distance, I'll shoot like two at six and like two at eight forty because that's where we actually have um, berms behind the targets on mm-hmm. on my local range at Altus, and then I'll I'll like shoot a craft or I'll shoot or the very first thing when I get to the range is I'll shoot a um, a twenty round like positional drill, mm-hmm. and then. Uh, four scores so like the whole thing's 100 points like if you miss your one inch dot cold bore like it's minus a point if you hit the bullseye you lose zero points if you're in the one ring like i got a whole um one of my i can't take credit for it one of our our buddies um that's up at seventh group sent it to me um they'll load out for it so like i'll i'll shoot that so it's a lot of work is at 100 but like I get out to a match and it's just, I'll have a couple good stages and then it'll just sink. Yeah. But and, see, it, I think and then I don't know if it's like the mental game where I can't get it back and be like, okay, that stage is over. I'm preparing for the next stage. Like let's yeah. do the next stage. I think, I mean, back to the EWSP, if you can't nail down what actually got the root cause of a given miss on every single stage, you have no way to practice it effectively. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's one thing to say I missed four times and assume, oh, I need to get better at precision. I need, my rifle needs to be more precise. I need lower SDs. And technically, the better way to practice is to just make a load, have your gun not zeroed, and go shoot at distance because that's what happens when your gun's not shooting out here. Or when you, you miss. Or like when you, you miss. Actually you sometimes. have to fix it on the fly. Right. And go, I don't have a, I can't re-zero. I mean, you can go shoot a zero group and go, oh, I need to slip my turret. But you have 10 points in front of you. They still have to be finished, or you're just going to throw them away and then go zero. Right. So, you know, one of the best drills I have is taking a – I have my six my six five Creed is not actually zeroed. I still don't know where it is. I just loaded 200 rounds of ammo so that I can go to the range. It's somewhere safe on paper. Right. And then I just shoot at distance and hold until I can get close to where it needs to be and make a correction on my turret to hit the target. Because that's all that matters. I mean, end of the day, the only thing that matters is you saw splash correct to the center of the target every single time. I did the same thing with 22. I didn't even zero my 22, and I didn't have a profile for it. So yeah. I went to MTC, and I shot the 22 and doped out the whole range without actually building a profile, without measuring it with an LRF, like just watch the bullets <laughs> fly. And it took me, I think it took me like 52 shots the first time, and then I didn't write anything down. Uh, and then I shot it again. It took me 32 times because I remembered some stuff. So it was kind of like cheating. But I think that's the nice thing about 22 is you can kind of see them, you know, mm-hmm. see them fly. But uh, same concept is you need to be able to see when you're not missing or when you're not hitting targets and then understand why. I think that something that Francis and I have talked about is, you know, shooting targets with the right dope and then shoot them with the wrong dope. Right. And, th- and then see what the target looks like. Or if you, you know? go out go out with your buddy, like just put painter's tape over your – your the numbers on your turret yeah. and just be like yeah okay spin my That's turret and okay now i'm going to shoot and then i'm going to have to correct like obviously your first one's not going to be on target because it's but it's, it better it's be moved. a good press so you can measure it 
Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and if you really want to, I mean, take this to another level. Get an eight and a half by eleven sheet of paper, print a four inch circle on a target or on a piece of paper, and put it out at four hundred yards. And you'll have a white with a black, right? Or better yet, like you even do it with black and just take a black piece of paper, put it up at some distance, send rounds where you don't even get to know if you hit it. Like you have to score yourself on a blind shot and just like it's not a speed drill. It's just send one round, watch it going with Trace. I'm pretty sure that hit center, center, right. Like can you can tell with some flickers and I think I might see a hole in the black paper barely if it mm-hmm. looks a little different. You really have to start scrutinizing the smallest, finest details of what you see, what you felt, what you saw, heard, you know, how your, you know, certain hairs in certain parts of your body tickled and quivered right. because that's all you have to go on. The gut instinct that sits between, you know, not so much between your ears. You got to look down and go, man, the first thing I saw move was just off the low right of the target. I'm going to come from, I'm going to come run with it. That's all you get. That's all you get. I mean, Chad and I, this is this is to the point where Chad and I are less than five feet away from each other as he's shooting a stage. He comes off the line. I'm like, yeah, you missed low left, 7 o'clock. And he's like, I don't agree with that. <laughs> After he just shot and then he corrected and hit it. And I'm like, I don't know what to tell you, dude. I'm 100% confident in where I saw that bullet. You missed low left barely. You were trending low on the prior one, and then you smacked that one just off the low left. You corrected the center perfectly, though. He's like, yeah, but I came down and left. And then he comes back and says, no, you're right. I was coming back to the right. I saw it the other way. But this has happened 10 yeah. times in just this one match where we do not see the same thing the same way, even right. from within five feet. So ultimately yeah. what it comes down to is the shooter. Can you read what you see, and can you put it back on target immediately thereafter? That's a skill. That's a skill that, honestly, you could shoot one round every 10 minutes. And if you can figure that out over, say, a day of just take three sandwiches, 10 beers, well, not beers, 10 Cokes, uh, and just go literally take a box of ammo or 200 rounds and just sit there all day, just sending one round in a bunch of various conditions into sand, into grass, into dirt, in safe areas so you can go that hit right there and then go put it on a target nearby. Mm-hmm. I don't know. If, I think if that makes yeah. sense, there's, a, there's a, a skill in learning how to read your misses. That you, can't, you can't buy that. Right. And when you're... You saying you're doing this with like a six five creed? Do you like to not burn out your match barrel and match components and things like that? Easier stuff to maybe acquire. Large rifle primers seem to be a little bit more attainable attainable than small rifle primers. Like, are you doing that with a six? I'll do it creed? with a twenty two six five creed six creed br dasher. I don't even care. Like, I don't even own half those calibers. If Chad had a, Chad handed me a gun, he's like, "Here's some ammo and a gun. This would be perfect." Sweet, and I'll just go run. I literally have no, I don't know anything about that system. Well, that's then we're doing actually what we're trying to do. Tomorrow. Yeah, like I, I've <laughs> never shot that gun, and I'm actually excited to put around with it and go, okay, I have an impact. Now let me see if I can bring it up next shot to target. We're not right. joking. We, I brought one down. We are literally doing that tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> Suppressor. So, <laughs> I mean, but that's the, <sighs> I think that's the name of this game. This game is about can you spot your shots? Can you read where you're hitting on plate? Can you read where you're hitting off plate? And that doesn't happen by shooting small groups. It doesn't happen by checking your SDs and ESs. That only happens by shooting a lot of rounds. It, and it doesn't even have to be long range. But reading the splash, um, we had an episode where we talked about time of flight. Somewhere between yep. 300 and 400 yards, it becomes very difficult to spot where you're hitting. Yeah, because it happens so, so fast. So fast, yep. Your gun hasn't settled yet. And by the time it does settle, your brain has to find the target. By the time you found the target, the, yep. the event's done. Um, for me, that's somewhere around 350 
if I'm loose off a barricade, prone about 300. Shorter than that, probably not going to happen. Uh, maybe 200 with solid prone. Point being, if you start practicing at sort of 400 or 500, wherever you know, hey, this is solidly comfortable to see a splash, work back 100 yards. That's not solid. I don't see anything. Go out 50. Split the difference. Okay, that means you might have to drive the rifle a little harder. You may have to put more weight through the gun in the system. Um, back up, then try to work it down. So my goal is actually to get from 5 to 4 to 3, and then if I can, even like 250 yards. And then I've practiced at 200 to try to see impacts and play twist at 2. It's a, nearly a non-starter. But that said, <laughs> it was worth the attempt. <laughs> yeah, It was so. fun to try. Yeah. Sweet. So what what do you guys have to say to that novice shooter or the the intermediate like the mid-pack shooter the bottom level shooter that is trying to come out here and to compete at such a high level match like this one like i'll come back and shoot this match just because it's fun and i get to see all my friends because most of my friends show up to this match but like that guy that you know comes out here and is there's 250 shooters and he's 250 41st like what are we saying to that guy to get him to come back out here to keep to keep coming out and keep trying to get better like what what are we what are we trying to give him as far as insights to keep sticking with it because like it like it is discouraging like i wouldn't call myself like i'm a non-classified shooter i haven't shot the pro series three consecutive matches all that other stuff like i consider my myself a pretty decent one day shooter yeah and then i come out to some of the two days and i i do okay or i do good or i do bad this one i didn't do very good at all but like i'm coming back just because i've got other goals in mind but like that other guy that you know isn't a prs member or you know hasn't shot a bunch of matches like and he comes out here and he's 241 out of 250 like yeah. how do we get that guy to come back well I, i'm Go ahead. I was going to say they just have to be the type of person that likes a challenge. I mean, it it is fun hanging out and shooting steel. I mean, even if you rank only twenty targets, I mean, right. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully that is not too discouraging. Um, and they did the the right thing, which is like give it a try. But it, you just you need to have hopefully taken good notes in your matchbook and go home and work on some things. I mean, there are certain things that you can eliminate from a process driven standpoint that will never come back. You know, and hopefully you learn those things out. Uh, out at the beginning of of shooting but i, I don't know how else it, there's no easy answer it's yeah. you have to be the person that likes the chance to challenge and then you have to be disciplined enough to break it down into the biggest low-hanging fruit first work on that and then take your way down to the you know the last 10 shots yeah i would even go a step further than that and saying that the guy who's coming to this match as one of his first matches not you, not just this match any pro level match is one of their first matches Come into this with the expectation, A, candidly, you're going to get your ass kicked. Like, kicked yeah. and then some, times two, and then put away wet and dirty and still hurting. It's it's that difficult, especially when you see, when you watch someone clean a stage and you think, I can't do that. You're 100% right, you can't. But mm-hmm. if you think you can, you're 100% right, you can. It's just where you're at in your progression. And for a new shooter to come out and think, I'm going to have the greatest match I've ever had, I'm sorry, but that takes a, that's kind of wishful thinking. And to Chad's point, you have to have the mindset that I'm going to give it everything that I have. I need to make sure my equipment is as squared as way as I can make it. But if any of those things fail, I have to be willing after the fact 
to go get back on the horse, identify which parts of my system failed, and want to spend the time to get better. Because the first order of hurt is that was embarrassing. I've been there. I've had matches like that. I mean, even as a pro shooter who doesn't finish generally that poor, I have matches that I'm like, that was truly embarrassing. Right. Namely a few finales and one last year. But um, <laughs> I wasn't going to say anything. No, I know. And it's like, I don't understand how that works, but that's how it works. You get back on the horse. You don't sell your gear. You don't go, I'm done with this sport. This is too hard. This is Whatever. We all start as rookies, and we all have to work our way towards success, whatever that means for you. Whoever's willing to put in the time, the effort, uh, the energy, and the sweat will ultimately prevail. And I will say, like, this is an individual sport, and you can do it on on your own, but you shouldn't. You should find yep. somebody that you can work with and not not necessarily a mentor, but somebody you can share the experience with, and you guys can feed off of each other because that kind of makes it all worthwhile and gives you some drive. I know? mean, that's exactly yeah. what the two people sitting at exactly, this table have done. There's all different levels of yeah. that. I mean, I it know people in the mid-pack that they, that's their relationship with an, another dude that's halfway across the country, and they meet up at these matches, and they do it, and they call each other every week or daily or whatever. I think, you know, if you can shoot in a squad and get some tips from some pros and, you know, build some relationships here, you'll find somebody that, you know, is in your area and wants to meet up once a month or whatever. But you got to do something between the matches. You can't just go to the matches. I'm not accusing you at this point. I'm just saying right. that that's the fact is, you know, you've got to I mean, twisted bar- technically Twisted Barrels already started. Yeah, the match has already started. Yeah, it started the last round you fired. Yeah, yep. exactly. Like I took notes in my matchbook. Do you have your matchbook is sitting right there, and yep. I just see some. I just see some dope. I don't see any notes. I only missed a couple targets in this uh, page, so yeah. Okay. I don't. I don't take notes anymore. Oh. Yeah, he I'm made sorry. zero mistakes in this one. though. I made zero. Literally, <laughs> I made zero mistakes. Yeah, so, so here I'm looking at mine right now. And so yeah, on mine, I eight out of ten. One in my circles. This is the one with Mirage. Yep. So I already knew what happened there. That was no issue. This one, second miss, left, zeroed left. I ended up changing it just because of cars. It was one of the first sta- first stage we shot in the day. Uh, zero here. I moved it again. Seven out of nine. That was at longer range. Next stage. All good. No notes. And basically everything first yanked on first in front of the target, downside of a mover. Oh, you didn't tell Wrong me that. Wrong dope dialed. Yeah, dropped one on the mover. I yanked it early. That's a sin. That's the second mover. It was the one positional. Okay. I told you that. You said you dropped. You knew it was I did. The th- it was the 300-yard <laughs> yeah. mover. Okay. Same thing, 1.6 the hold, like head hunting, three and a half, six, lifestyle diamonds at heads. Like, and this is the one where I had my mental error. and I was like, Oof. I mean, I, I remember a couple of years ago when Francis' yeah. biggest weakness was movers, and he came up here and he shot movers for a whole solid day straight. I literally and he doesn't have a problem with movers anymore, yeah, so that's kind of the thing. It's like figure out what your deficiency is. That one cost <coughs> some money to drive. and It was on the way to another match. It was yeah. perfect. Shannon, you got time? Can I come over? I'll pay you $100. <laughs> day member pass. Yeah, I yeah. don't even know if that's um, official or whatever. I wouldn't no. start calling Shannon and say, "Hey, no, can I it come wasn't. shoot for?" But me? this was the only place that I could get a mover. <laughs> that had it a just mover. So happened yeah. to be, it happened to be possible now. given some things uh, driving through. So I was able to spend time doing a mover, and yeah, it is one of the fastest. Now my goal is let's see if I can hit a mover ten times on one pass. Yeah, yeah. there's no reason not to. Actually, there is a good reason not to. Because you might yank one. You might yank one. Um, yeah. So that said, to your point, if you're a new shooter. Look at yourself in the mirror beforehand and say, look, I'm going to have the best match ever, but I'm also going to promise myself that when this is over, I'm going to take a deep breath, sleep on it once before I do anything rash, effectively, because that's what this thing will do to you. We've had those conversations on the ride home. Uh, It's not fun, but, man, you just got to own it every day Mm because 
the match has already started. <laughs> yep. For sure. Awesome. Appreciate it, gentlemen. Likewise. Always a pleasure.